for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock's on the sick list this week. So it's me, Craig Ravel, joining you for this week's show solo. Coming up on this week's show, we'll be speaking with Craig Lowndes and also Anton Di Pasquale. Anton having a fantastic rookie year. And Lowndesy, well, we now know it's his swan song. It should be great to catch up with both. Interesting as we get set for the QR race that more has been announced about the work on the Mustang supercar as it is approaching the stage with physical carts to be made after the design work has been completed. How will the car look? Well, we will see that in well fairly quick time as they have to get that car rolling and on the track for homologation later this year. Tim Edwards has said he is frustrated with the on-track performance of Tickford, but he is working towards galvanising the team and making it a, a strong competitor for the rest of the 2017 season. Obviously, if they can win Bathurst, that just about turns anyone's year around. For Holden, their marketing boss has been out on the hustings again. Christian Aquilina, who's moved over from New Zealand to join the company in Australia as the marketing manager, has once again reiterated that motorsport is an important part of the brand of Holden and supercars being that headlining act. He's taken over from Mark Hartland, who you heard earlier in the year on the show, who too had a a great racing pedigree. Todd Hazelwood has confirmed that he is going to be all right for racing this weekend at QR after he popped his shoulder uh, at the Townsville round on Saturday and managed to race through Saturday's race and then complete Sunday's as well. Tests following Townsville found that he had... A fracture where the collarbone meets the shoulder and has torn shoulder and neck ligaments. Says he'll be fine for this weekend's racing. In fact, he's been on a simulator trying to get a bit of racing condition into those parts of his body. Of course, he was the winner of the Super 2 Series and he's raced at Queensland before when he had his wildcard entry. A lot of talk over the last week or so that supercars is considering to become a summer sport. Something that the series has wrestled with over a number of years and it looks like that one has uh, been turned up to 11 as the future of night racing and all other aspects of how to manage a sport that's competing against the three football codes might be able to make a bit more room in the sporting landscape. Queensland Raceway is where we're off to this weekend and all the work has been completed for the safety upgrades 
that will ensure the FIA Level 3 track licence, which they require to host a round of the supercars. Debris fences have been erected halfway along the pit straight and on the back straights between turns 2 and 3, and there has been another flag marshal point protected in between turns 2 and 3 once again. Extra permanent tyre barriers have been placed at the high-speed turns 1, 2 and 3, and at the turn 6 hairpins as well. It's hoped that there'll be no need for any of those additional safety air measures when we get to the track this weekend. So as I mentioned, coming up this week, we'll speak to Craig Lowndes, but first, after the break, it's Anton Di Pasquale. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Joining us is, uh, well, a rookie that's really been uh, showing some great form over the course of this year, Anton Di Pasquale. Anton, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Anton, I was just uh, saying to you off here, the last time we spoke in person was uh, when you won the Australian Formula Ford Championship in 2013, of course, uh, running with Sonic Motorsport. And uh, quite a bit's happened since then, uh, a Formula Renault Championship and, uh, well, now into the main game with Erebus. Yeah, since uh, 13, with the Formula Ford Championship, a a lot has changed, raced a few different cars, a fair few different countries and uh, a lot of experience. So um, went around the world and then come back home. And, uh, yeah, now with Erebus Motorsport and the Supercar Champions, so couldn't be happier. Mm. Now, you don't start in uh, in uh, Formula Ford normally. So just go a bit further back. What was the first time you jumped into a go-kart and started racing? Uh, the first time I jumped into the go-kart, I think, was uh, I was uh, just turned 13, I believe. Um, I was first into into dirt bikes and things like that, and then just kept crashing and breaking bones. So we got four wheels instead of two. It was a bit safer at the time. Um, and then, yeah, so I raced, started that when I was 13 and started a race pretty much me and my, me and my dad around um, Australia for three years, mm-hmm. um, doing all the titles and Australian titles and things like that. And then once we got... To the end of the junior categories, was either we go race seniors or go try something like Formula Four. So we we jumped in and uh, had a go. It was good. Mm. Now you're a bit modest. You did win Australian Sprint Championship in 2011. So yeah, we had a had a really good year. 2011 raced pretty much every main title in two categories, and I think I got a first or a second in pretty much all of them. So it was it was it was really good. Yeah, mm. had a good good year. Then you you did something that a few drivers have done, but not many. You ran the Victorian Championship and the Australian Formula Ford Championship at the same time in 2012, as as I imagine you were just trying to learn the uh, suspension and, and the differences between a kart and a Formula Ford. 
Yeah, we first uh, started in the state series and did. Well, we committed to that whole whole championship, which I think was six rounds at the time. Um, and then we always had a plan with Mick from Sonic to do the Australian Championship the following year. Um, so we decided to do, I think it was the last three rounds or four rounds of the, the Australian Championship just to get myself up to a higher level and racing the guys that are most likely to be racing the following year. Um, so just, just a, bit, a bit extra driving, a bit extra preparation. So when we went to take, take on the title, we weren't uh, unprepared. Mm. And, and, of course, it was the last year that it was run under the, the CAMS Australian Formula Ford Championship. So it was quite a momentous victory, that championship. But when you look down the list of the people you were racing, Macaulay Jones, James Golding, one Matt Campbell, Sam Power, Thomas Randall, yep. who's in the Super 2s, quite a few drivers have made it uh, made it to various stages of international motorsport. Even uh, Tom Gretsch was in the uh, in the side as well. Yeah, there's, there was it was a pretty good good crop of guys. And even the year before, um, when I ran the the second half of that championship, Jack LeBrock and Gary Jacobson, guys like that were also running. So it was quite a good crop of guys, and was sort of all been racing each other even through through karting days because all kind of very similar ages. So you end up racing a lot of the same guys all the way to the supercars. Mm. How hard was it to then make the leap over to running Formula Renault? It was very hard. Um, it was something, you know, I, I took the first trip by myself and just met someone from the team on, on the other side of the world in a, in a foreign-speaking country 30 hours away from home by plane and uh, not really sure, never done that kind of thing before. So it was uh, that was probably the hardest thing, just sort of having the confidence to live in a, in a foreign country and, you know, speak to people who don't understand anything you're saying and trying all that kind of stuff and then, Obviously, the racing side was very hard too because you're racing a lot of guys. Um, you know, there's heaps of people in Europe racing, so the category was quite hard, and I had to learn new cars as quick as I can. And every track was was new, so there's a lot of work uh, to be done. But it was um, it was yeah, it was quite a good experience for uh, you know I was just turned 18 at the time to go live in Europe was a pretty good opportunity. And that year must have been a remarkable one for you. Nine wins out of 15 starts. That's a, a fantastic stroke rate. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome. The uh, the team I teamed up with was Lechner Racing um, over there. It was their first year back into sort of open wheels. They're sort of more known for their Porsches. So um, they came in really strong and they wanted to win, and I wanted to win. So the relationship was really good, and everyone in the team just had that hunger. So um, it was you know it was, a, it was a winning environment. So the whole team as a whole was was quite good, and because. First in the championship, we they they did everything they could to, to make sure we had the cars and some fantastic tracks too: Zandvoort, Spa, Nuremberg, Assen, Zolder. You know, they're, they're tracks that uh, people you know have heard of, and some of them are legendary tracks. But you don't even get to necessarily go and watch a race, let alone race on them. Yeah, it's awesome. I've got a um. Very lucky, even though I'm racing back in Australia, I've still I've been there and I've I've won races, like you said, at places like Spa and Nurburgring and Zanvor, some legendary places where some you know very legendary people have uh, have raced and are still racing now. So um, to be there and just to watch races over there, Formula One events and stuff is amazing. But to race on the tracks um, and and win races and things like that around such iconic circuits around the world is uh, is something you 
you don't forget and it sort of stays with you whole, the whole time. Mm. The next year you went up to the two-litre Euro Cup. What was the difference yeah. there? You changed teams? Yeah, so the, the team I was with wasn't going into that championship, so had to find a new team. Um, and then it's it's quite a you – know, it's one of those championships. It's very – I try and explain it. It's kind of similar to like a Super 2 where you kind of spend the two to three, sometimes four years at that level um, trying to master that craft is probably the hardest, the hardest, hardest step I reckon at that over there. So um, we only did the the one year, and then it was just quite hard on on the budget and sponsors and things like that. And then you really need to do another year or possibly another two to sort of get anywhere further than that. So um, that's when the decision come to come back to race Super Two, um, which was you know, was always something. And when you're a kid, you're always watching Bathurst and things like that and going, oh, I want to be one of those guys. So it's not like a, a backward step. is still a dream come true to sort of come back and race in the, in the premier categories here, which is Super 2 leading, hopefully, into supercars, which it has. Mm. Now, you you are from Melbourne. So uh, first of all, you built a relationship with uh, Mark Larkham when he was starting up his motorsport academy. How did, firstly, how did that one come about? And then we'll we'll talk about the next guy you drove for in Australia, which was Paul Morris. Yeah, uh, Larkham was good. We we come into contact. I think it might have been like Gold Coast 2013 when I was racing the Formula Ford, um, and he was just sort of sort of more interested in what I was doing. And then with his motorsport academy and what I wanted to do, it kind of tied him quite well. And then he. He knew a few people uh, to speak to in Europe, and he he sort of found the first the first team that I raced for, um, and then was was helping me a lot with all that sort of thing. Because as, as we all know, he's a very experienced guy and um, very motorsport smart. So um, he kind of teed all that up for me and uh, helped me quite a lot over there to sort of get to where I was. Then you return home, and Paul Morris, another Queenslander, is uh, the one you land at to uh, start racing. How did how did that relationship come about? Yeah, uh, well, when I first come back, it was, I was sort of two minds uh, whether like a, a Super 2 direction was good or more maybe even a Porsche, Porsche direction with Career Cup. So I went to Paul because um, he's got his, his training facility in Norwell. Um, so I went there and sort of had a chat to him and, and did some driving things and sort of you know, what he thinks the best kind of thing to do. And then he super two car, which, which he was running previously that he wasn't going to race again. And then, I, and then it led to a test day, which led to, well, let's go racing. And then we were racing and then, yeah, and just sort of kicked off quite, quite naturally. He's quite a different person to say Larko. Yeah. Uh, very, very different characters, but at the same time, same, you know, they're both very smart in, in what they do and, Everyone has a different approach to achieving things, but, um, but yeah, they both helped me quite a lot uh, into where I am now, and, and still, I'm still really close with with both of them. Mm. Last year, you finished fourth in the Super Two Championship. How did the relationship with Erebus start to uh, come along, and and how was how was it broached to say, well, let's go, let's go and give you a try in the main game. Um, well, yeah, I was, I was, I was in Super 2, um, and I didn't have a, have a co-drive at the, at the time, which most of the other guys I was racing in Super 2 did. So that probably was my way in because of the way the rules work, the evaluation day of young drivers, if they haven't got a co-drive, then they can do evaluation day for a team, which 
is almost like a free test day mm-hmm. if, if you've got if you know if you've got the right driver. So um, they they let me do that, and then uh, um, from that they'll I guess quite happy, and we we'll, we we'll just kept talking and talking, and then the, the door opened where um, the, the the car was free for the next year. So then we got talking if you know that was the right thing to do, and then one thing led to another, and we're on the grid at Adelaide. <laughs> Was it surprising how quickly that was able to uh, come together or did you sort of get the inkling right from the start of the talks that it, it was your seat to lose, if you like? Um, I probably was, it was probably more looking, like there wasn't any, there wasn't basically from the start like, oh, I've got this in the bag. It was more just the test day, which then just sort of it kept in a relationship, uh, relationship and then talking co-drives and then you're talking... Yeah, you know, and then the, the seat seat was vacant, so um, I'm sure they were talking to a few people. But I was I was I guess lucky enough to uh, to you know be on the right side of that, and then get myself the, the drive, and then hopefully I'm I'm keeping them happy still. You seem like you're at home there, and it it, it seems like that as soon as you got into the main game, you weren't daunted about being in you know, the elite class in Australia. And I'm wondering if that's something of a mindset that you've brought back with you from Europe where, um, you know, it's kill or be killed over there. Yeah, 100%. It's kill or be killed. But it's, it's you know, it's one of those things there's 26 of us full-time on the grid and all 26 of us deserve to be there. So um, everyone has a lot of respect for each other. At the same time, you want to beat everyone that you're around. It's just natural. So, um you know, when you, I think I think racing overseas and racing all these different tracks with all these different people, you just get used to just doing your own thing and sort of having confidence in what you can do and working with your team to achieve the result that you wanted and um, try not to get in the hype of, of of who you're racing, even though it's quite hard sometimes because you're, you're racing some pretty some pretty legendary people you've looked up to for a long time. Mm. What has been the the biggest shock between what you've done previously and what you're doing now? Um, it's, well, it's just, it's just a hard, it's very similar to that uh, second year in Europe I did where you can, you can qualify, say, two tenths off, off the front, the front group and you're down in 18th or something. So just that competitiveness and how sort of perfect you have to, to be to achieve a result. Um, and then when you do that, then you have to, have to do it all for 70 laps or so for the whole race to, to try and get a trophy at the end of it. So just the whole competitiveness and the, you know, the, how hard it is out there is, is obviously a surprise, but I was expecting it too. So um, everyone says this, how big is a step up it is and you just have to sort of work quite hard with your team and your engineers and your teammates to, uh, to improve as quick as you can or else you're trying to get left behind. Now you're working with uh, Mika De Rosa? Yep. How, how have you managed to get that... That language and that uh, that uh, partnership going. Uh, it's, it's really good. Um, we're both sort of young guys with dreams, and it's both trying to uh, achieve things. And uh, he's, he's very hungry as an engineer, which is quite good. There's a lot of passion, and then I, I try and you know match that that passion, and we and we work together really well. So it's just it's just one of those things. Once you've got that click, and you can and you can trust each other. Um, you, you end up talking the same language and then you just go on your own way over the weekend and uh, by the end of it, hopefully you've got a quick car and uh, driving well. 
Erebus has undergone a, a fair few changes, but when you speak to the individuals there collectively, they've got such an amazing CV, it's probably no surprise that when you put that eclectic group together, they're starting to really show some form and, and show some performance. Yeah, ev- everyone from the you know, mechanics, management, drivers and things all have different experiences from different parts of the world and different categories and all, all sorts of things. So when you, you put it together, and there's not not many of us compared to some of the other teams, So, but we're all working pretty efficiently and um, and we're really working like as a team. So we, between me and Dave and, and both engineers, we're able to communicate quite well and everyone's open and, and it all sort of feels natural and uh, that's what you want from a two-card team because then you can you can trust each other to, to work together. Do you have a significantly different driving style to David? So when they try something on your car, it might not work for him because you might be more flowing through the corners and he's more a point-and-shoot or, or vice versa? Um, there is some some little differences with with every driver, but so far this year, you know, what's what's quick on one car generally is quick on the other car. Um, so we end up going on most of the time two different ways and trying trying different things. And then at the end of the day, over dinner, we have a have a chat and try and put the, the best car together to go qualifying with. We do sometimes end up a little bit different, but um, we're not not that far away from each other ninety nine percent of the time. Mm. So. So far in the year, have you met your expectations or have you exceeded your expectations? Oh, it's a hard question. I mean, at the start of the year, I sort of said to myself, I want to get to a point where I can fight for top 10s sort of regularly, um, whether that happens straight away or midway through the season or towards the end of the season. That's kind of where I wanted to get myself to because that leads you into the next year and, and so on. So, um so far, it's been good. We've been our qualifying results have been been probably a little bit better than expe- expected, especially a place like Darwin and things like that. We've been we sort of got a lot of top tens in a row, um, and then just the racing's been a little bit disappointing because any time you lose positions in a race, you're not happy. So we just that's that's our main focus on the moment, trying to get the the race results um, the same as qualifying. Mm. Uh, of course, uh, David, of course, has a, an interesting way of looking at the world. And he was saying that when he was talking to you about Darwin, he said, look, it's only a six-corner track, um, even though the, the track might might say something differently. What sort of advice has he given you for QR? Um, oh, I'm, I'm, he's, he's got a lot of uh, colourful things to say about Queensland Raceway. But, um, yeah, he hasn't given me any advice yet. We'll probably do it. When we do our track walk, that's when all the uh, the hot tips tips come out. Of course, he hates the place, so um... yeah, that's that's sort of what I was where I was leading to. <laughs> Anton, great to speak to you, and uh, looking forward to seeing you this weekend out on the uh, paperclip. I'm I'm sure your second half of the season is going to be every bit as good as what you first started with. So uh, congratulations. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. My thanks to Anton Di Pasquale. After the break, we'll come back with Craig Lowndes. Hope you'll stay with us on Inside Supercars. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at the Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Join us online now. It's Craig Lowndes. Craig, uh, announcing your retirement must be a, a funny thing to do. I know for myself, I just stopped racing and when no one really knows you, it doesn't much matter. But uh, for the most popular man in Australian motorsport, it's got to be a very different feeling. Oh, yeah, look, I think it is. I think it's, uh, you know, firstly, it was sort of like, you know, it was the hardest decision to make to, to step down. And then, obviously, they're, they're sitting down to uh, an announcement. And I think it's, uh, you know, now probably a couple of weeks gone since then. I think that it's, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm still very pleased with the decision of what, what we've uh, decided to do. And, uh, and obviously, uh, you now looking forward to the rest of the year. We'll get the, the tough ones out the way first. And this... I think uh, Dave Reynolds has been one of the big proponents of it. Uh, he seems to think that you might have been pushed more than you've uh, decided to walk. Yeah, Dave likes to uh, to talk about things he doesn't really know much about. But uh, it's, like it's, uh, obviously everyone's going to have their theories and everything else. But uh, you know, last year when I was driving around and uh, you know, I was struggling to qualify, everyone was telling me to retire. And now this year that we've made the decision to retire, everyone's so saying I've been pushed out. So. He um, can't win too much, but it, it, look, it, it was obviously a decision that it was, as I said, was one of the hardest decisions I've had to make. Um, you know, we, I have been talking to Roland on and off for, for you know probably three or four years about when is the right time and what what happens and, and how it's going to happen. And and I, and now I felt like you know I said in the, in the statement that I sat with Roland, I felt like it was the right time to uh, to step down at the end of this year because of the you know we're having a great year and so uh, you know. Who's to say that next year it will be any better? Uh, you know, as I said, last year we, we had a lot of issues, weren't qualifying well. Um, everyone said I was too slow and need to retire. And you know, if we have another one of those years next year, well, then people should have said I should have retired the year before. So um, it, it, it's just I feel it's the right time. We've got a lot to offer and uh, there's a lot of other things that are now opening up for us that, uh, you know, now that we've made the announcement. Do you literally wake up in the morning and say, I've had enough? Um, no, it wasn't necessarily just that, that sort of light bulb moment. I think it was more the fact that, uh, you know, when you go back to the same racetrack year in, year out, I've been driving at this high level for now over two decades, but, you know, you start coming away, you know, and, and you do get frustrated when the car's not performing and, and you know, you're not, not able to uh, to be where you want want to place the car and be where you are. It does get frustrating. It does wear you down. Um you know, and I think that, uh, you know, it's great that I've been able to turn it around this year for the performance side of it. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, you do look back and reflect on last year and you go, yeah, well, you know, I am getting, as I said, frustrated at times, um, you know, overdriving the car at other times. And, you know, now we're having a good year. It's, it's the right time. So I think it was, a, it was a matter of a process of over a, sort of a six-month period, more than just sort of a one light bulb moment where you walk out of the racetrack and go, yeah, I've, I've had enough. It's more, more of the thing as I said, we've been talking about it for a long time. And, uh, and, and, it's, and as I said, it's, I wake up every morning now and uh, 
Ned Jarrett said to me that uh, he retired when he was about 30 because motor racing, professional motor racing, was so new, particularly in America, that uh, he figured he got to his early 30s and that's when footballers sort of retired. And he said, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to get slow, so there's no point quitting that, uh, uh, no point pushing on. And, of course, then you saw uh, one of his colleagues, uh, Richard Petty, running until he was in his oh, 50s. Yeah, I think that, that, look, I think it's really a personal choice of, of how long you, you do uh, drive for. And I think that, uh, you know, I've always said, as long as you're competitive and you're enjoying it, you can still stay in the seat. And, you know, you know I think we're saying we can still be competitive, but, you know, we're, we want to be winning races and, and winning championships. And, uh, and I think that, uh, you know, I'm racing, as I've been there over two decades, and I'm racing people that probably weren't born when I started racing. So the competition has got a lot harder and a lot tougher since the, uh, you know, my early days and my early beginnings. But, uh, you know, in saying that, um, I think it really does come down to a personal choice. And, and I feel like at the right time, as I said, when one door closes, I've got now many others open. We're still going to be around, still going to be doing co-driving roles. We're still going to be racing in 12 hours. Um, it's not like I'm hanging my helmet up full time. You did race over in Europe uh, for that uh, one year. What was it, 97? Do you have uh, a desire to go back and do some racing in Europe? Oh, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, I haven't been signed by saying that Le Mans and Ferrari is definitely the one that uh, it has eluded me up until even when I first began driving in HRT. So um, it's just the classes with our races here in Supercar World. So now that that's not going to be an issue, um, yeah, definitely look at uh, overseas races you know, next year and the year after. And, um, you know, still why I'm young enough to be able to do it as well. Like, you don't want to be exhausted in Supercar World and then go, I wish I could have or should have done that. Now I've got an opportunity to be able to do that. Open wheel racing or you wanted to keep a lid over you? Uh, no, I think the open wheel days are pretty much gone and done and dusted for me. But, uh, you, know, uh, you know, whether it's a prototype car at Le Mans, you know, which is basically an open wheeler with a body on it, like who knows? Like there's definitely, uh, you know, set opportunities. I've just got to make sure we choose the right one and, uh, and of course, take everything on, on merit for what it is. And uh, But, yeah, look, Start 24 hours. I'd love to go back and do that. Um, Shane talks about the Daytona 24 hour. Um, he said that's an exciting uh, you know, race to be involved in. And again, uh, hopefully, got some flexibility to be able to look at that sort of style of racing. Mm. Of course, Daytona is one that's a bit unique because it's run in the winter. It's more night than day, where most of the other European ones are, are certainly more day than night racing. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and, and like I, I don't mind the night racing at all. I think that uh, for me, when I did Star last time, you know, I did majority of the night racing because the other three guys were struggling a little bit. But uh, you know, been been driving around the night doesn't worry me at all. So um, you know, that that's something that uh, you know, all opportunities. Uh, you know, and also being an ambassador for the team, an ambassador for supercars. You know, uh, you know, hopefully fit into a role within the team as an ambassador and. and help sort of Jamie and Shane and, and uh, you know, more of the commercial side of it, of, of what it is. Jeff Gretsch was on the show last week and he said uh, a lot of people talked about Craig getting into HRT and it all firing up, but he said people probably don't understand that Craig was more responsible for firing up HRT than HRT for firing up Craig Lowndes. Do you look back at that? How, do you, how would you take that comment anyway? I take it as positive, to be honest. I think that, uh, you know, I think I was very lucky to be uh, fitted into a team like HRT at a time where uh, I've said in the past that I was probably on the edge of, 
or the edge of greatness anyway. I think that, uh, you know, yes, I probably brought, brought an element to the team that maybe sparked up other areas that, that were lacking. Um, you know, uh, Jeff was the one that pushed hard hard for me to be in the car. Um, and, you know, Jeff, I've got a great relationship and, uh, you know, it's great to see him attract again. And, uh, you know, really for me, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's nice for, his, for me to hear that from him. Um, you know, Roland talked about the same with Triple Eight. But you know, when I got involved with Triple Eight in '05, um, I, I remember seeing their faces and, and the belief in them in the team once we won that race at Eastern Creek when our Sydney Motorsport Park. So, yeah, I think that uh, for me, it's always been about that building block and being part of a team that that wants to be uh, successful. And HRT was. I left it, you know, for other reasons. But uh, you know, again, building with uh, with. Triple Eight is definitely in that same vein. Now, unfortunately, having hung around uh, pits and paddocks for so long, I, I remember a few stories. And one story I remember is how you said, uh, I think it was 2000, how you always love Ford the best. And here's my Cortina that I built up as a kid with my old man. Do you still have that car? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. The Cortina sits proudly in, in the garage at home. And uh, um, it's been, I think, about 10 or 11 years down in Geelong in the Ford Museum down there. And, and then, unfortunately, when uh, the, the, the museum closed down, it, uh, all the cars had to get rehomed back to their owners. And I got a phone call and, uh, to come and pick it up. And, uh, and I actually almost forgot about it. But uh, I was uh, lucky enough to, to be able to get it uh, registered again. And, uh, and, and both Lara and my wife and I drive it around for time. So, yeah, I, I've just been a passionate person of cars and love cars. I think that... Uh, for me, it really hasn't been about a brand or anything else. I've been fortunate enough to be in both sides of it, but um, just love a car. That's why I've, I've become a race driver. A couple of people who don't follow motor racing closely but heard about your announcement sort of said to me, well, and particularly on the back of the he's been pushed commentary that started over the last week or so, they said to me, well, you know, surely he could go and race somewhere else. And I said... I think he had enough years in a in a bad car to know that you don't want to be doing that. Is is that a fair estimation of your opinion? Oh, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like you know, even to a point where Roland, um, you know, when we had that discussion about me retiring and everything else, um, and you know, yes, I had a I had a contract for next year, which now will roll into a co-driver's role. But uh, he said at the time when we had the discussion about two or three weeks ago that you know. I want to stop you if you want to go and choose to drive in another team, if you if you still feel like you wanted to keep going. Um, and to be honest, I stopped him there. I said, no, I've, 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 like, I've had enough. I've, I don't want to just make up numbers. Um, and you've got to be smart about, you know, if I do go to another race team, um, yeah, you're right. Whether that team's going to be, a, you know, be able to, to provide a car or do anything else or, um, you know, be at the front, and you're right. You don't want to be in a car that's not capable of doing that. It's so frustrating as a race driver. Um, and, it, you know, for me, as I said, over 20 years, I've been lucky enough to drive in some great teams. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, to stay with Triple F, as I said, to, to take in another role within the team, not as a driver, full-time driver, um, I think it, it gives me longevity back in the sport, which I'd love so much. Are you... With uh, your uh, yet-to-be-fully-announced Foxtel role, is that going to mean you're going to be at every race? Or are you, you know, going to just cherry-pick the five or six big ones and then you are going to stay away from uh, the supercar paddock when you're, when you're uh, not required? Uh, yeah, good question. I think that, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, 
the moment, yeah, we, we made the announcement at Town Hall. Um, Supercars and, and the broadcast team were very keen to, to put into the release that, you know, we'll be joining them next year and beyond. And, um, and, and they've been very um, uh, great at the moment in the sense of allowing me to get on with racing at this stage. Uh, we haven't really uh, gone back to that discussion or put that on the on the, on the the drawing board. I think that uh, that'll that'll take place in, in you know, hopefully the next month or so. But, uh, you know, what I do and, and how much I do, I think, you know, as, as uh, Rowan says, you, know, you just got to be do what you want to do now and uh, do what, as much or as little as you want to do and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. But, uh, it, you know, I'd love to be, as I said, um, be part of the full-time side of it as commentator and, and uh, uh, you know, and travel to, to racetracks. I think it'll hit home for me probably more so at uh, Adelaide when the cars all file out of pit lane for the opening race and he's not in one. I think that's when even Neil Crompton said, that's when it hit home for him that uh, you realise that now you're not actually full-time driver. We continue our chat with Craig Lowndes after the break here on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Cure Grand Prix and I just remind myself of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Craig Lowndes. Craig, our sister program, Inside Motorsport, has been running interviews from 20 years ago and naturally you feature in a number of them. When you think back to 20 years ago, the Holden VT dramas where you and Russell were having a a great battle in the championship and then someone, I think it was Cam's, decided you had to run the brand new VT, which I don't think everyone wanted to run at Bathurst because it was so new. How How do you look at those sort of little battles like that year um 20 years ago and it's hard to remember i know uh you had yokohamas bridgestones dunlops shotting the cars you in that year they announced that uh, bridgestone i think was getting the tire contract then we saw more and more control parts coming in how, how have you seen this evolution and has that been the right move every time in your opinion Oh, look, that, that is a very good question. Like, where do I agree with every decision um, that Supercars, or back then it was the South Australian Supercar Championships made? You know, I wasn't a big fan of putting Sandown and Bathurst into the championship back then. But, you know, you look back on it now, I think it's just now an extension of the championship. So, yeah, I I, I probably back then disagreed. Now I agree. So you, you do change your point of view and your opinions from time to time. But, um uh, for me, uh, look, we've had some great battles with great drivers against great drivers, and I think that uh, there's no doubt that uh, over the years that uh, you know that I've seen the championship evolve, um, become what it is, and, it, and it's a fantastic championship. You've arguably one of the probably the the best touring car championships in the world now, and, and that's really uh, great to see because of the decisions and the choices that the category made over all those years, and. Uh, you know, I actually like the old battle with uh, the tyre brands. You know, we were Bridgestone. We knew when we went to certain tracks, we would be fast. We knew when we go to other tracks that we'd be struggling against the Dunlop or the Yokohama. I like those battles. But, again, um, you know, evolution and, and the way that the category is, is handled, I think that, uh, you know, we, we've got now a very strong category. 
can the next Craig Lowndes come through like you did with the, such limited amount of testing? Oh, I, I think it, it swings and rounds it out. I think, yes, it's difficult because of the lack of testing, but then you look at the Super 2 and all the development series, so we didn't have that around when I stepped in through Formula Ford, Formula Hold, and then in straight into the main zone, um, like Garth Sander and a few others. Um, so I think we've got better opportunities to, to step their way towards the main game. Um, so, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, in one hand, I'd love to see more, more test days. Um, whether that, that, that happens in the near future, I don't know, but, uh, but that, that would be a great thing to see. Um, as race drivers, that's why we go and race other categories because we want to do more racing and be in the behind the seats. So, um, but yeah, you know, I think the younger generation or the next generation definitely have a better platform and stepping stones to get to the main game. Mm. You have raced with so many different people as teammates. How can you, do you have a favourite teammate? Do you, or do you have someone who's just been that special relationship? Where, because I know you've had some that have been a terrible relationship, but uh, well, let's keep it the positive. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I know that uh, you touch on the negative, but, uh, uh, but you know, I've been lucky enough to have some great teammates, and Brock being one of them that helped me enormously when I first started. We had a, we had a fantastic relationship away from the track. Um, you know, even Mark Stays, everyone said that uh, you know he'd chew me up and spit me out, but I think my time in Europe definitely toughened me up for that one. Um, you know, Neil Crompton, Greg Murphy, you know, even Karen McConville, um, and, and then you got the international people like Yvonne Muller, who uh, who come out. Um, you know, Andy Prio, uh, we, we've kept in contact, and I think the beauty about it is that you know you forge that friendship through motor racing, and, and that stays on with you forever. So. Uh, yeah, I've been lucky to, to get along with, I think, 99% of all my teammates and, and co-drivers. Um, so, yeah, for me, it, it's been a, a wonderful journey. Um, yeah, I reckon probably that, um, you know, the one that you, you sort of have the most interaction with now is probably Scape and Crompton, um, just because it's more TV-orientated world and, and it's something that I'm moving into. Mm. Looking forward, night race at Sydney Motorsport Park. What... Uh... What do you think that's going to springboard to? And, of course, it's, it backs on... Well, it starts a discussion about racing in summer. Uh, yeah, look, I think it's... Uh, you know, night racing, I'm a big fan of that. I think that... Uh, I remember doing the Brock Classic at the end of 95. And we, uh, you know, we did the Twilight Race in 96 at Eastern Creek. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of night racing. I think we've got some great um, climate... Um, towns and, and, and basically um, countries that we can go to that uh, I think would, would really work for, for a night race. I think that uh, I'm really excited to go to Sydney Motorsport Park and, and, and put on a good show. I think that uh, people will see the cars in a different light. Literally. And uh, if you're going to Townsville and uh, Darwin in in the edges, because obviously you can't go there in the wet season, you'd want to be racing at night too because then it'd just be a balmy sort of 28, 29, not a, a 38, 39. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, I remember when we raced in Bahrain, of all places, and I remember in the afternoon we had our, our media ride, and I think, I think Jamie, myself, and a few others, we actually went faster with a passenger in it because it, the conditions had cooled down, the tyres were better, the car was faster, and, and we went faster with the passengers than we did in qualifying in the middle of the day with a heat. So there's definitely uh, pros and, and um, benefits of, of racing at night, as well as, you know, seeing, as I said, seeing the power in different lights, seeing the brakes flow, flames out the side, and everything happening at once. It sounds like uh, 
you've got some ideas that you want to uh, push through when you get into the ambassadorial role? Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. Um, uh, talking to Sean and, and uh, obviously where, where, I, where I would fit in and what I would do, I'm, again, like TV world, not 100% sure. But, yeah, we've all got our... our ideas and opinions and I think the good thing about it is the category is now starting to, to listen to drivers and, and take on board their, their opinions and that's something that really hasn't been done so well in the past but it's definitely changing uh, its philosophy now and, I, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to be able to hopefully bridge that and, and help bridge that um, and get the opinions and, and the ideas out of drivers and, and get it to the board of, of supercars. Scafe had that uh, much publicised Scafe Next plan. Have but one of the things about Scafe is he planned everything to the T. Are you that organised? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm that organised. Scafe is very highly organised. He always has been, even from the start of when we were teammates. He would look at it for about five hours. I would probably look at it for about ten minutes. Um, I'm not that as organised as what Scafe is, but it's something that, you know, you know hopefully that the passion and, and, uh, and the other processes of, of what I do and how I do it is just going to be as good. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you this weekend in Queensland, Craig. Thanks very much for your time today. And, uh, well, congratulations on the announcement. It is a long time to be at the top level. And uh, whilst four championships, six Bathurst, or have I shortchanged you a couple there? No, no, six Bathurst and, and a couple of 12 hours. So you could almost say eight, but uh, in different ways. Yes, it's, it's certainly been a stellar career, and it's uh, definitely not over yet. No, thank you. Look, as I said, we've still got another six months to go in this rest of the year and a lot of racing to go. We're only just over halfway point in the championship. And, you know, we want to, you know, I would love to be in the top four and have three of our cars in the top four at the end of the year. To be part of that and to, to walk away from that side of it uh, or that part of my career on a high and, and say that we finished as best we could, I, I'd be really pleased and proud. Actually, the one thing I was going to ask you, this year it's Autobahn Lounge Racing. Do you uh, get to keep the name on the car next year? Uh, no, I think that uh, that all, all gets folded back in. And, uh, you know, uh, Roland, I'm sure, has more plans than he's been told us. And he uh, generally does. He always has A, B and C already planned before we hear about A. So, um, yeah, that, 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 you know, I was lucky enough to have my name in, a, in part of a race team for this one. But, um, you know, just, uh, you know, see what next year brings. Well, if you're getting a cut of the merchandise, people better go out and get it this year then. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that, as I said, it's going to be the second half of the year. Yeah. Craig, pleasure to catch up with you. All the best uh, for the rest of the year. I'm sure we'll speak before you uh, do officially hang up the full-time helmet in Newcastle. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, that Newcastle will be uh, probably a, yeah, yeah, a big, big weekend for all of us. My thanks to Craig Lowndes. Tony Whitlock will hopefully be much better next week so he can join us then on the show. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.